Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. and Aeons episode with Gabriel's Worldwide Religion of Love, which was brought to us by Michael and Diane Duncan. And I also welcome Nick Curdo, who is a frequent guest on the show and a host of his own shows um, here on the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Greetings and welcome. Welcome, Hercules. And welcome, Nick. (laughs) Hey, great to be here with you all and look forward very much to uh, to the next program. Ditto here. I'm waiting to hear about how we'll be broadcasting out to the solar system because that's very much in tune with what I'm personally working on right now. (laughs) Oh, isn't that the truth? Yes, of course. Um, And if anybody can do it, you can. (laughs) (laughs) I think Hercules will be the first. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I, I just want to begin the program with a beautiful welcome also to the season, the autumn season. Uh, I was just getting a a new newspaper, it's the Epic Times out here in California, but uh, it's titled A Season of Rust and Gold, and waxing Mm -hmm. poetic about autumn. But Mm -hmm. what what struck me, guys, about this was we've been talking about Demeter and Persephone and all these beautiful gods that bring us the prosperity with with Maitreya and the fruits and the vegetables and the fertility of the soil. But what struck me is they had the most beautiful painting in this newspaper, and it's called The Return of Persephone. Uh, In 1891, it was painted by Sir Frederick Leighton. It says, in Greek mythology, Demeter, goddess of the harvest, bids goodbye to her daughter, Persephone, who returns in the spring. So I just wanted to open with a salute to all the gods for the beautiful season that we're enjoying right now. We've got pumpkins on our table, and <laughs> of course we have children, and, and all the all the sights and sounds of, of autumn. So 
to open up the show. I think that's important. I wanted to read, too, one poem from a rancher reader, Donna Whalen. And then we will get on our show. And remember, what we're saying right now is actually broadcast to all of our solar system. I didn't know that. I did not yes. know that. I did not know. Um, we were just told only about just a few weeks ago at a meeting, and I don't know how it came about, but they told us, all of the gods that were in session at this meeting in our backyard, told us that everything that was done and said at that meeting and in that temple that is made without hands, of course, <laughs> and machines, it's a celestial temple, but everything done in that temple is broadcast, and it's not broadcast just generally out in the universe, it says. What happens is that it's broadcast to Jerusalem, but specifically the planet Venus. And from there, the celestials then send it out to the planets that are able to receive it. Now, we found out not all planets can. Uh, you know, our Earth, our Earth cannot receive the low frequencies of Jupiter and some of these other planets, the lower frequencies, but the higher ones, we, we can get a little bit of, you know, the scientists. So it's sent to the planet Venus, and then they send it to Jupiter, to Neptune, to Mercury, and, of course, show it to the inhabitants in the different levels of Venus. But, you know, in the Arantia book, Nick, you know this, you've read this, where mm -hmm. it says in the Arantia book that people on other planets and on the mansion worlds will go to certain places where they will be able to see what's going on in their home planets and in the planets all over our solar system. It's in the Arantia book. Oh, I remember that uh, very, very well. That's just stood out uh, when I read that the first time, yes. Yes, and I I found out that we are broadcasting. You know, sometimes we do our meetings, and Hercules, I'm sure you feel the same way. Well, gee, you know, I wish there were thousands and millions of people listening to our show. <laughs> but, you know, if you really think about this, we could be the stars of Jupiter, of Neptune, <laughs> the stars of Venus, and the stars of Mercury, I mean, we just don't know, but they promise us that we are. We are the stars of all of those planets oh, because that, that they awesome. are watching. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Um, now, before we get into that, and it's, I know it is an interesting subject, I want to be sure I don't forget um, our beautiful poem by Donna to, to proclaim that, that we thank the good Lord we thank our fathers and mothers in heaven for the bounty that we have been given in this beautiful season of autumn. Uh, her poem is about Halloween, and, and this is how it goes, fellas. It's called A Renewed Halloween. Is anything good about Halloween? Let's stop and think a minute. Dressing up and pretending can train us for the theater. Knocking on doors and asking for treats can help us meet our neighbors. Halloween parties and bobbing for apples, that's always a lot of fun. And carving pumpkins will provide 
some practice for our artwork. So before we throw old Halloween out, let's renew the whole scenario. We don't need scary or spooky or fright in order to have a good Halloween night. <laughs> so that's wow. really if uh, anybody's listening that really can have a little bit of a memory of how we were when we went trick-or-treating. I certainly remember, and it was um, a wonderful part of my life. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We, we did, too. We did House to House on, on, um, on Calhoun Street in Springfield, Massachusetts, and that was a very uh-huh. happy memory. And also... Staying in and then answering the door when the doorbell rang, and then we would put napkins uh, folding uh, into that uh, candies and treats, mm-hmm. and then tying it with a ribbon, and then giving that little package to everybody who came, knocking at our door. Absolutely. Well, Nick, be- before we get in on our topic, and Michael will be joining us in just a few minutes. Um, he's um, been working till six. I'm sorry, but he'll be coming in in any minute. But uh, Nick, before we get started on this on our mm-hmm. broadcast to Jupiter and Venus, what what are you doing right now? Please tell us. Oh boy, uh, that's uh, that's quite a question. Uh, a few things that come to mind. Um, I was invited last month to a staged play reading of a, a new play dealing with Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, in, and they lived in New Hampshire. And one fine night after driving from Canada, coming home to New Hampshire, uh, Betty sparted, spotted some lights in the sky that started following them. And then they realized it was a craft. And eventually they stopped the car and the craft landed and took them uh, into the, uh, the craft by uh, extraterrestrials. And they were there detained for about two hours. They they remembered absolutely nothing when they got home. They were they were uh, absent two hours. They didn't know what happened. They were very upset about it. And long story short, they eventually went to a, a doctor in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, trying to find out if he could help them. And he did regressive hypnotism with both of them separately. And all those tapes were made into a script of exactly what they said. Of, of what was going on on that faithful night, and that's been made into a play. And last week, they had a reading of it, a second reading in New York City, for the backers and other friends to come. We had 40 people from Disclosure Network. The theater holds 160, and just about every seat was filled. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. And the audience was so responsive, so amazingly responsive. And uh, just, just to note that um, Shirley MacLaine's daughter plays Betty, and yeah. Richard Pryor Jr. plays Barney. So they have oh, quite a combination. <laughs> and what what a night that was! And after it was over, they had a Q and A on stage with the actors and the director and the two writers, and they invited me up on stage to answer questions about UFO and abduction experiences. So that was quite an evening. Well, I I just can't imagine. I mean, you know, I was actually taken to Wadsworth Mansion in Connecticut, uh, near Massachusetts, you know, (laughs) by the father. (laughs) I feel like I was abducted, too. (laughs) Wow, wow. Well, that one night, you know, December 19th, 2013, it really was afternoon. And, uh, you know, I, I told you my right eye went dark and my 
uh, zigzag in my forehead and my left eye, I saw this beautiful, what I thought was an angel. But after I watched them for a little while, they took me. They took me. I went. I had to go. <laughs> I didn't have any choice. So I was gone for probably a couple hours. Did you remember everything immediately, or did it take some time? No, I, I remember everything. I remembered everything, everything. Uh, I just didn't uh, put down everything in the uh, talk that I did or in the, you know, the writing that we put out to people. There's another half of it that I didn't put out, but, uh, but, but the general, the general uh, part of it, uh, the important part, I did. Wow, that's quite amazing. I, w- I would love, uh, if there's anything written down that you've ever done, I would love to read it. Well, actually, uh, Michael has actually even done a song just recently called Dancing with the Father. And in it, he write, he sings the song, Dancing with the Father, because that's what I did with him. I did dance with him. But uh, also in the middle of it, uh, he asked me to tell the people the experience on the, the CD in the middle of the song. And I did, oh. and you, you, oh. both you and Hercules should be getting that CD this week. <laughs> awesome. you no, know, it, it did arrive. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but this weekend, <laughs> that's that's on the that's on the do to do list. So thank you. I look forward to that. <laughs> but uh, but I was gone for probably at least two hours, Nick, or more. It could mm. be three hours. Uh, that that part I'm not really sure about. I was pretty hazy when I came back. But uh, but I know I know this that uh, I didn't have any choice in the matter. All of a sudden mm-hmm. I was gone, and I was that's there. That's exactly what happened to Betty and Barney Hill. There was no there was no choice at all. They they no. they were made to go and get into the ship, and then they were brought out of the ship and placed back into their car. And when they got home, not only did they not remember anything, but the hours the two hours were. Were, were 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 lost. They didn't know what had happened, and the clocks that they were wearing, the wristwatch, uh-huh. and then the clocks in their home were very different times. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Well, it's funny, you know. I was completely conscious. I was just dusting my bureau in my bedroom, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, this happened to me, and I watched them for about ten or fifteen minutes. I was fully conscious. I wasn't in a meditation or anything. I was just cleaning my room. And I wow. was standing up. I was standing up next to the dresser. And then all of a sudden, I was gone. And then the strangest thing, uh, when I looked through my eyes, I mean, you know, there I was in this room. It was like a big ballroom. Uh, I actually saw myself at first talking to the father. I saw oh. myself. And that is the weirdest part that I can't explain. Maybe somebody who knows more about this. Hercules, maybe you know somebody. But uh, I watched myself talking to him for a while. And then, mm. then, then, I, got, then I was into myself again. And mm-hmm. then he walked around the table, stood in the center of the room. And it was kind of like I was on the floor, just kind of kneeling down, looking up at him for quite a while, trying to understand what was going on. And then he walked over to the, the big doors, the glass doors, and opened them up. And he beckoned me over, and he said he wanted me to come over to the doors. And I got up, and I walked over there. And then he told me to look out. 
and I looked out, and I saw through... Now, see, I was it at uh, Wadsworth Mansion, which is a beautiful hotel today, and he had opened up the glass doors, both both sides. So when I looked out, I saw the grass and all the grounds and the tall trees that Connecticut has and Massachusetts have, those real tall, tall fir trees on either side. And he told me, he said, we have houses, too. We live in houses, too. And he pointed down at the far end, and there were round buildings with pink roofs down there, you know. But anyway, it was an interesting time, and then all of a sudden music came about, and we danced. It was Irish music, just like every time I, I get the radio with Hercules' program, and there's the Irish music, and that's what we heard, you know. <laughs> oh, Michael is home here, Nick and Hercules. Welcome, so, Michael. <laughs> say oh, hello to you. Michael. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, how you doing? Glad you're aboard. Thank you. Theme music. Irish. Starting a musical thing right off the bat. Good for you. There you go. Well, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, guys, you know, her um, her experience, her encounter was in 2013. And I just now, this past week or two, I just now finished the song called Dancing with the Father. Oh, yeah. And I just now finished the video, the YouTube video for Dancing with the Father that will go up shortly onto YouTube. So it took about six years to <laughs> to get the song and the video, but they'll be there. And it, it's a really neat video because... I think, as you guys know, the encounter itself is on our YouTube channel. We made that video a number of years ago, mm-hmm. um, but in the in the song video, she kind of recaps, and Diane does it herself. This is the first time I've included her, or she's been included uh, in one of the songs, and she gives just a little brief account uh, in the song video, so you'll see that. It'll be coming up pretty soon. And she sings on it, too. Oh, not really. Oh, yes. Oh, not really. No, you won't even hear me. (laughs) Remember, Nick? Remember, Nick, a long time ago? I think it was at the International Conference in 2014 in Massachusetts where we met. Amherst. Amherst, exactly. And you you said to us, you said, you guys have to sing together. So I was looking for the opportunity for us to sing together, sort of, so she sings. Uh, you won't hear it. <laughs> well, you, you I, will. I will, though. Nick wants will, me to hear sing it. with you, well, so I'll, I'll do something. <laughs> I, I, think, the... I think that is such a natural combination of you and Diane's, Michael, <laughs> you and Diane singing together. I just think that is just <laughs> such a great idea. And I, it's well, like your idea. Dale. We'll it's see like, how it goes. <laughs> it would be like Roy and Dale. I mean, it's like that. It would just be. It would be amazing. And I really am excited to, to hear more from you both on on recordings. I just think that's. I really believe well, that's the next step for you both. Well, you know, Nick. Uh, during this, you know, I, I mentioned the spoken section on the song where Diane speaks. But right. if you if you listen really carefully, because it's kind of rhythmic and it's got marimba on it and it's got a it's got like a techno type beat. But <clears> if you listen if you listen really carefully, you'll hear Diane singing, uh-huh. 
during that spoken section, and you'll hear me, I'm singing with her a little bit in the background because I wanted her voice to be more prominent, but she sings, dance, 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 dance with me. And in, like kind of a, in kind of a loop, you know, you guys have to check it out. I'll, I'll put it up probably within the next week. It's, no, no, it's no, really they have it, Michael. I no, the video. the video. Oh, the video. Oh, sure. Oh, but yeah, on the song too, right? Oh, right, right. <laughs> if you'd be so um, kind, when that video comes up, please let us know when it's up, okay? And oh, we will. Um, and it's on the song too, what that we sent you guys. Now, uh, I have to tell you, Nick, I wasn't taken to any spaceship, but. Uh, and I wasn't brought back in a spaceship either, <laughs> but I want to tell you how I got back because okay. that, I think that's really? pretty important. I've never really, I've never put this out to anybody before because it was kind of a personal thing. You know what I mean? Um, yes. After after the the you know the whole sequence of this that happened. In other words, my my dusting, my going there, being taken there, and it was just in an instant, so I don't remember going there at all. But mm-hmm. after he showed me the beautiful houses outside and after we danced and, and the whole sequence of what happened, um, he carried me out of that building, out of that room. He carried what? me like a baby. He Whoa. carried me. Th- this is what I haven't put out before and i could i could feel i know one woman um she was a jehovah witness and i told her what happened and she said she said but you didn't really feel him did you and i said oh yes i did Mm -hmm. i said yes i did he carried me carried me out of that building and carried me home and i actually felt the curls his curls on my shoulder on my shoulder but before he carried me home he carried me out of the building and sat me down in the garden area right outside of Wadsworth mansion mm-hmm. and we sat on a like a little cement bench outside in the garden area where the 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 grass was that I looked over up above in the building you know through the big doors but we sat out there and I sat with him on the little bench and it was like a little cement bench and we talked for a long long time and I've never, ever put this out or told anybody about this half of the the encounter. And then after that, we went over to the grass, and I sat down on the grass. And I want to tell you this because I'm sure you would never believe this. He sat down on the grease, grass. On the grease. <laughs> on the grease. He on the grease. <laughs> no. <laughs> he sat down on the grass um, like Indian style. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I swear to the good heaven and Father, I'm telling this as it was. He sat down there, just Indian style, with his arms kind of crossed over his knees and just listened to me as I was talking to him. We all sat on the grass. And the the mother, the local universe mother, she was standing to the right of me, stand, and she was, you know, standing. She wasn't. Uh, sitting on the, a bench or anything like that, and she just kind of had her hand on her chin, just kind of watching us while we talked. And then he carried me back home and brought me home. But that trip home was not like the trip there. It was very emotional, and I was I was in tears and crying when I got home and got back 
because I didn't want to leave him. I didn't want to leave him. I mm. loved him so much, more than anything in my whole life have I ever experienced a love that strong and that deep, and I didn't want to leave him, and I cried and cried. And then I finally, it took me, actually I think it took me a couple hours to get associated with my room and get back to myself again after that. But that part I have not really ever put out, the the second half. So, But I didn't come back in a spaceship. <laughs> well, a, a spaceship is, uh, I, I recently uh, did uh, in the Order of the Golden Fleece, because now we're meeting monthly. Um, uh-huh. Here in New York, and of course you're all Argonauts. So uh, um, <laughs> if you in, are in the area, you're invited uh, to come. And we have uh, actually an altar with a golden fleece on it. Um, but uh, there, we recently did a meditation, uh-huh. and the meditation uh, you found yourself, you know, in the realm of the beings of light, and your brain. Uh, it can interpret the space that you're in in a variety of ways, including as a spaceship. So some people felt they were on a spaceship. Other people felt that they were in a uh, an amphitheater. Other people felt like they were in uh, an ancient temple with columns. You know, so uh, I wrote up some of my experiences with this uh, place of light, and uh, Timothy Beckley is going to uh, publish it in his next book. Um, oh, it's called. How, oh, do we want to read that? <laughs> It's called Hercules in the Land of Light. <laughs> so um, I know what you're saying. And uh, if your brain, um, because where we go sometimes is beyond comprehension. Um, and it translates itself in such a way that we can understand it and experience it. Uh, so if you were, instead of being into theosophy and the types of spirituality that uh, um, typified your journey, you might have seen it as a spaceship. You might have uh, uh-huh. seen God as an alien, but uh, uh, your uh-huh. path was a little bit different. So that's how your mind you know, made sense of it and uh, uh, you know, created uh, a memory. But yes, it, it was it's a real event. I've had similar, uh-huh. um, I've never danced with God, uh, but I've had similar <laughs> experiences where the interactions uh, seemed physical and they seemed uh, totally real. And only until uh, later sometimes do you uh, um, realize that you've experienced something quite extraordinary. Yeah, and how about, so natural. Uh-huh. how about you, Nick? Um, you guys, uh, you, you take friends up to, uh, to Tall Mountain, you know, tall mountain vistas, and you guys uh, view view the night sky. Um, are there some experiences like that that you guys have had? Some, you know, really amazing experiences? Are you there, Mr. Curdo? Let me check the board. Uh, Nick Nick is there. Somehow we got uh, Hi. The, Hello? the board switched oh. around. <laughs> Don't know yeah. what happened there. Yeah. You were mysteriously put into the quiet room. <laughs> I don't know what happened either. That's crazy. I, and I'm very much not not a quiet person most of the time. So, fortunately, <laughs> well, into a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. Well, to answer Michael's question, we had a group of people. I believe we had three cars, so we went to Pine Bush, New York, which is upstate, and we were there to 
to be with a group of people, local people from Pine Bush, and they met in the town hall, and they do that once a month so that they can compare notes about what they've seen in the night sky or other uh perhaps paranormal things that might have happened to them. And there were policemen, there were grandmothers, there were teen it was everybody was there. It was a real cross section of the little of the little town. They welcomed us and uh, for about an hour we heard an amazing amount of stories of what the police said they were in their, their patrol car on a highway and a UFO went straight across the highway. And and they said it wasn't anything but a UFO. It wasn't anything that they knew. It was no airplane or swamp gas or weather balloons or all that. You know, they said this was a vehicle, all right. So we had an amazing evening with them. And then after one of the uh, the, the women who was one of the heads of it asked if we would like to go with them, and here it comes, to a little hill. It was a beautiful starry night and enjoyed the sky for a little while before we drove back to Manhattan. And I asked the group, and the group said, yeah, absolutely. So we went with them up there, parked the cars. Beautiful, beautiful night. And I observed a a light. It was an orange light, steady light, and it was way, way over on a mountaintop. It was very dark. The mountains were dark. And I asked the woman who was a a local person if that was a tower of a uh, perhaps a TV or radio station. And she looked and she said, oh, you're referring to that orange light over there. Wait, wait. I said, yes. She said, no, Nick, there's nothing over there that's dense forest, but I do see that light. Mm-hmm. So, so then we, we, we started watching the light, and about maybe half a minute later, it started moving. It was the first time it did that, and it slowly went across the entire sky to the horizon. Whoa, that was pretty wow. amazing. So. To answer your question, that was one of the amazing UFO sightings that that I had, and again, it was with another person from the village. Oh my goodness! Well, um, I, I do want to tell you, folks, that uh, the Infinite Mother set up a communication system in Michael's. Well, his kind of—it's the great room, but it's it's really Michael's workroom. And she set it up in the north corner of where his desk is. And we didn't understand. This was about what, Michael, about two years ago, almost three years ago? Oh, yeah, it was 2015. Oh, my Lord, that early? Oh, my golly, I guess it was. Gee, time sure flies. (laughs) But uh, she set that up, and we didn't understand. We were told that she set it up so that she could talk to the Infinite Father. And then when we found out about the temple that was being built in our backyard, and of course it is, you know, it's not on this plane. You're not going to see it if you come. But uh, she also set up a communication system in that area of our backyard. And we didn't understand that either. But now, just recently, they have told us that everything that has been going on in that upper room all the, we usually have the meetings in that upper room or on the patio in the backyard. And all the meetings that we have been having all these years, they have been broadcasting them out to Venus, to Venus, and then Venus sends them out to the planets that can receive them. We are told that Pluto and Mars and Uranus and Saturn do not get them. And for what reason? I don't know. I don't know if Hercules knows anything about the difference in the planets, but 
we're told that Mercury receives them from Venus, Jupiter receives them, and of course Neptune uh, receives them, but but not those others, and we don't know why. But uh, but as I say, um, it has only been recently that that the scientists are really picking up on the higher frequencies from Jupiter and some of these other planets. And I think the reason is is that uh, Materia has told us is that he has removed uh, all of the barriers so that the communication can be much, much clearer and better from the other planets to the Earth now that we are in this magisterial mission. They're telling us that it won't be long but we will be able to communicate with other planets. And I'm not just saying, um, you know, the celestials. Now, the celestials are doing it right now. Of course, they are communicating from the Earth to other planets. Of course they are. But they're saying that we, the population, we will actually be able to communicate with these other planets. Now, maybe not those certain ones I mentioned, Pluto, Mars, Uranus and Saturn, but the others that we should be able to. So this is really exciting. And they've also been telling us that um, 90,000 years ago, when Maitreya came with his father, Gautama Buddha, and Sanat Kumara, who is Gabriel, uh, when they came, and Venus, Mother Venus, came to the Earth to save the Earth, that... um, This was the beginning of a whole uh, group of people that came with them because supposedly um, they they had all the the whole legion of Melchizedeks. They had, uh, what was it, Buddhas, so many that came with, Christ that came with them on this this journey to the earth, archangels and so forth. But they're saying that they actually set forth souls that were embedded into the population that have reincarnated. And this this group is what they call the 144,000 elect. Now, I don't know, um, Nick, if you've read about that. Now, I don't know uh, too much about it, but the 144,000 are a special group. And they're telling us that this group of 144,000 that left from Venus with the Buddhists, with the Melchizedek, have actually incarnated in physical bodies for these 90,000 years. And that their children and their children and their children are finally going to be noticed, not right now, but in about five or the first ones, the, the new children coming about in about ni- after 19, uh, 2026, that they are going to be children of this group that finally will be making their voice heard. Well, their latent abilities will be awakened yes. for, this, for this new era. For this new era, this magisterial mission. And they will have the capabilities then, since Maitreya has removed the barriers that now we can communicate with the rest of the solar system. And, you know, in the Arantia book, it talks about that, that we've been isolated, Nick, for well, so many, about, so many well, eons of time. Mm-hmm. 
right. They talk about the spirit. It's the um, spiritual quarantine. That's exactly the words they use. Spiritual quarantine of our planet Urantia, mm-hmm. and that that's been going on for 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 many 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 thousands of years, and that that it will be lifted. Now it seems to me, Diane, from what you're saying, it sounds to me as though the uh, the quarantine is lifting. Do do you feel that? They, Materia says he has lifted it. He has. Uh, it's just that we asked, well, you know, can't we feel it, you know? And he says, well, it's because the people cannot yet uh, receive all of these uh, new new things that are happening. But they will be able to. But this this is why the last message we had, they were telling us to make ourselves more of a beacon of light, to try and... Uh, make the right choices to try and do the right things and uh, seek, the seek the light move rather than the the, move away from the darkness because they they want us to take part in this new ability to start communing with not only the celestials but to be able to communicate with others that live on other planets and that our our broadcast here in our home and I know and I'm sure that there are many, many other places, and who knows, you know, what those other planets are receiving from Earth. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, think, I think what's happening here is it, um, it seems to me like there's an opening from the Earth to the greater solar system. Yes, we are finally being able to communicate more, I believe. But we have to, but we have to come up to snuff, you know. I mean, we have to... Uh, we have to transform as a body, as a, as a human, you know, as a, as a collective. We have to transform to be able to uh, have this uh, new uh, outreach to the solar system and, and, and things that Venus has to offer and other celestials throughout the solar system have to offer. And what's going to happen, guys, it's, uh, it's very hopeful, very, it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's a very hopeful thing. It, it, to, to anticipate that, um, you know, these the progeny of these original 144,000, the progeny will become slowly, will become leaders. They'll become leaders of the human race for this new era, and they will provide an example of how to live properly, of how to connect with the gods, and how to uh, upstep themselves you know, to be able to function in the broader solar system. We've been isolated, you know. I mean, you know, maybe five people in California believe that there are people on other planets, you know, and, and other gods and things. I don't know. But, you know, but, but I, think, I think we're finally going to expand out a little bit to the solar system, and then you're going to see, you're going to see more interaction with, uh, you know, I don't know in what way, but interaction with people on different planets, more with the celestials. Uh, one of the big messages of our last meeting with Maitreya was he wants people to talk to God. Really talk to God, just just like we're talking to you, the celestials. And that's what we're doing. And we hope that we will be an example that others can do the same thing. And I think these broadcasts are kind of the start of their program, you know, to to uh, get people in the in the solar system or other other beings or other 
um, individuals uh, used to the idea of maybe the earth communicating with them or communicating more mm-hmm. with the celestials or something like that. I don't know. It just seems like there's there's a movement toward the broadening or the widening of our earth experience to a bigger a bigger, bigger audience, better experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, a, a lot of times, fellas, a lot of times I'll talk to uh, a celestial and I won't know them, and I'll I'll ask them about themselves and what they kind of are sometimes as observers. And yes. they'll say, I'll say, well, you know, how long are you going to be here, you know, and I appreciate your helping me, you know, because I'm always talking to Celestials all the time. And they'll say, well, you know, we're not going to be here very long, you know, maybe a few months or something. And then after that, they're gone. And then I talk to another one and I ask them, well, you know, where are you from and, and, and how long are you going to be here and what are you trying to do, you know, and so forth, you know. So it's interesting. Hercules, I wanted to ask you. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Please, please, please. I want to go back just for a moment because there might be listeners out there who aren't as familiar with the Urantia book and what the reason for the quarantine. I think that we need to address that. Why, Why in the first place was our planet and a lot of other planets quarantined? And, of course, the, uh, the, the quick answer is the Lucifer Rebellion. Um, Michael, yeah. do you want to talk about that a little bit? No, because no, why think, don't you, Nick? Well, the Lucifer why? Rebellion you want was to? when... Go well, ahead, just that, yeah, just that, just that um, Lucifer uh, made a, a decision, a free will decision, that he wasn't going to follow uh, anymore of the Universal Father and that he felt as though he wanted to take charge and he was very charismatic and, and spoke to many, many other people uh, about um, other, other entities about this, that it's time for a big change, and it became the Lucifer Rebellion. And uh, it, was, it got so bad that it was decided that a lot of planets would be quarantined that were affected, and Urantia, our planet Earth, was one of those planets that was set in spiritual quarantine, um, so, I mean, that, that's the quick version, but that's, that's basically why, in the first place, we were quarantined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yes. So, so uh, you know, there, there is a movement uh, that started in, I believe, the mid-1980s. There was a, a movement called the, the Teaching Mission, Teaching Mission Movement of um, Transmitters and Receivers who we're trying to get information about uh, a new era, you know, like a magisterial mission type of situation where, you know, uh, a being would come to, to help uh, correct things, to, to help uh, Earth get back on track a little bit. So they, the, uh, the TM movement, they call it the TM movement, um, the uh, teaching mission movement. So they were... They were, uh, you know, Urantia book readers and are Urantia book readers and Urantia book students trying to contact the Celestials and, and get some information about, uh, you know, what what's going on and, and how this new era is going to unfold. Now, Diane and I aren't teaching mission, but uh, we do talk to Celestials on a regular basis, you know. But I think we're, we're all trying to figure out uh, how... How the Lucifer Rebellion 
eventually will be rectified, and what will be the result of that? And I think there's great hope for the teaching mission movement and for the Earth itself, because I think the celestials, the fathers and the mothers and the supporters and the workers, Maitre, his team, Gabriel, Mother Venus with the New Worldwide Religion, I think they're starting to uh they're starting to rectify that and they're starting to open us up to to all of that. But it's not enough. It's not enough to just receive the messages of what they're doing. It's to receive the messages of how they want us to be a part of this new rectification this new this new era this new opening up so they're they're telling us things that they want us to do mm-hmm. like they want us to they want us to bring more colors into our lives they want us to resolve conflicts peacefully uh they want us to eat better foods they want us to be in better shape they want us to talk to god all the time you know and, and talk to them and find out what's best for us and for our planet. You know what I mean? Um, So in the talking to God, I think in the talking to God, if we will open up and we will do the things that they want us to do, that I think we'll we'll get back on track. And and I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question, Hercules. Sure. Um, I know that that the Unarius group, the Unarius group, they um, they are uh, interested in having the celestials talk to them and to tell us uh, what we need to do to be better to help to help our evolution. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about tell us a little bit about that and how how there is communication with uh, especially in our solar system with our spiritual brothers and sisters. Yes, uh, Unarius uh, also teaches that we're a uh, planet, uh, uh, if not exactly uh, uh, quarantined, we're kind of like a rehabilitation planet. (laughs) And that we were um, put here and kept here uh, because uh, we were once uh, uh, basically warlords uh, who wrought havoc in space. Uh, we were conquering a uh, nation, and uh, we were not very uh, sympathetic to the lives of uh, uh, other people in space. So we were finally defeated, and we were placed here, uh, and uh, we reincarnate. And in each incarnation, uh, we have to uh, face and resolve uh, the consequences of our actions. Mm-hmm. So um the space brothers as they call them or the ascended right. masters as other people call them uh you know there's different uh, terms for them uh they have come here uh to help those who are ready to ascend uh to the next uh, uh level and uh the unarians were waiting for uh, uh the earth to join the the uh, interplanetary confederation back in 2001 which that it did not happen because we were not ready Uh, The the Earth had not uh, demonstrated that it was ready to join the rest of the cosmos. And uh, the Unarians believe that uh, these worlds, some are on our level of vibration, some are on other levels of vibration, and uh, they have vast and voluminous uh, literature uh, that helps you 
um, access uh, these uh, divine uh, and celestial and astral uh, places. So uh, there's more there to study than, uh, you know, you'd need a lifetime or three <laughs> to make your way through <laughs> and really, really understand it. But Unarius makes it easy because uh, when you read about these things, you're able to access them and then return to them on your own. And the information, though it's many thousands of pages, is very consistent. Mm-hmm. Do they do they go into detail about how the space brothers help the humans, yes. the mortals? Yeah. What what are yes. they? Yeah. Well, they inspire, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, communicate uh, directly or indirectly, uh, or actually directly, but. Uh, our memories uh, do not always carry uh, the conversations and the experiences to our conscious mind. Uh, but we could be interacting with them through dreams, uh, through visions, through uh, um, chance encounters and synchronicities, but they're always there and they're always willing to uh, uh, lend a hand. And uh, they include people from other planets as well as people who've incarnated here. And mm-hmm. some of the people are known um, you know, public figures and others are not, um, oh. but they all share uh, this uh, desire to help the rest of humanity uh, rise above uh, the place where uh, we are stuck right now. So I've been dealing with Unarius for over 20 years now, yeah, and right. uh, I really like them. And uh, um, I, I can honestly say that uh, they never tried to get my money or brainwash me or <laughs> do anything. Many of the things, you know, they've always uh, uh, maintained a relationship on whatever level I felt comfortable. They've always been helpful with information uh, freely given or, you know, referred to in their books. And uh, um, I I consider them friends, like I consider you friends, the three of you. Now, do they, are there gods in the the tradition or are we talking specifically? I mean, is there ascended master uh, you know, only, or is this, are there celestials or, or God? Yes, there there are beings on all all sorts of different levels, and uh, the levels are beyond our comprehension. So uh, yeah. we don't always, uh, you know, like like the ascended masters have beings who are more ascended and more developed, uh, right. uh, guiding yeah. them, and then uh, beyond that, they have beings who are more developed and more. Uh, further down the road, uh, helping them. So uh, it's it's a constant. Uh, um, it's a path toward growth that has many many uh, uh, levels. So if you're dealing with people in the next level, they've moved past where you are, but uh, they still have places that they need to go. And uh, Unarius is one of the few spiritualities I know where you accept total responsibility for not only your actions, but for the world you find yourself in. Because uh, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> if you didn't need the word karmically, it wouldn't be here for, for you. So, uh. Well, thank you for that, Hercules. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. Sure. You know? I, I wish I was I more eloquent about it, but uh, they're, they're amazing people, and they have an amazing uh, spiritual system that's very satisfying and very uh, uplifting and very progressive. And that's Unarius. Yes, they're in El Cajon, California, and uh, um, Ruth Norman, who uh, was uh, um, a manifestation of the Archangel Uriel, 
um, she was the figure that is most uh, known. She was a very colorful and eccentric uh, person in her public appearances, uh, very difficult not to uh, uh, recognize and remember. Um, and uh, uh, so they're still here and they're still doing the work and they're very dedicated to it and they travel around a lot. I've, I've met them here in New York a few times. So uh, they're now, awesome. What, what were you saying about Uriel? Because we have had a new guest, and his name is um, Uriel. So what, what is this now? Is, is this something like what we are experiencing, or is this something maybe different, I wonder? So what were you saying about Uriel? She's a manifestation. Well, She's a manifestation of the God. A manifestation, uh, and these beings have manifestations of themselves. They can overshadow uh, a being, or they can manifest in different um, places in time. Time doesn't exist for them the way it exists uh, for us. So they could be in the past, the present, and the future um, with uh, physical vehicles, living, living physical lives. Um, to, and really immerse themselves in the creation uh, which they guide uh, along the way. And uh, they don't present themselves as superior beings. They present themselves as uh, servants uh, to the celestials and to uh, humanity. Mm-hmm. And, so an uh, aspect then of, of Uriel, because we have been having Uriel uh, coming just the last two meetings. That's why when you said uh, that, then that kind of sparked something because uh, that's one new guest we've had. The other new guest that we've had, uh, Nick, I don't know um, if you uh, have read too much about Majeston in the Urantia book. I haven't. That's not familiar to me. No, I'm sorry. Majeston is the daughter of the Universal Mother. Ah, okay. The Supreme. Well, it's a, it's a little tricky, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. That's why I asked you, because most people just go right, it's just a blurp, and they go right by it, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's not too much there. There's a, there's a, um, there's a birthing process that, that Majeston went through that involves the Supreme Being, um, but we, we have found some... Um, we have found some interesting parallels between, you know, because Hercules has been very instrumental in help in helping us to really uh, connect, connect, well, connect. Yes, yeah, I guess connect. Okay, so Hercules has really helped us to connect things the way that, uh, like Blavatsky did, like Madame Blavatsky did. Where she uh, she she tried to uh, show the the similarities of gods and goddesses and spiritual traditions and religions and how they all kind of come from the same source. So Hercules has inspired us to do oh, that. Yes. Uh, he opened us up to the Greek pantheon, and uh, you know we've been finding that there are angels, in the, angels and archangels in the in the Christian tradition. We've been finding friends who have come to us personally as like Melchizedek and Buddhas and Christ and things like that uh, and also uh, knowing them from the Urantia book so mm-hmm. Majestan is in the Urantia book yes. and so we were trying to we, we and we've had Majestan visit us 
And and we you know it takes us some time. I have to tell you, Kirk and Lee, sometimes it takes years before we figure out who these celestials are. <laughs> you know, I was gonna, I was it does. Just about exactly what you just said is that do you invite or do they show up and then introduce themselves? How does that work? Well, now with this, uh, I'll tell you about this one uh, one uh, celestial. I'm, I don't know if we're supposed to go over because we're going to be talking later or whether I can tell you right now. I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, we had this one guest the last time, our last meeting, and also the meeting before. And all, all of a sudden, I realized something told me, you know, we need another chair. Um, and I told Michael, I said, uh, you know, we need another chair. We had 25 guests for this last meeting, 25 wow. celestials. But uh, Gabriel said we needed another chair. And I said, Michael, go, get, go in the kitchen. And he said, can I just get a regular kitchen chair? I said, <laughs> yes, just get a regular kitchen chair. So he brought it out, and he put it right by me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I realized this was the same guest that we had had in the last meeting. Now, he said his name was Metatron. Now, we have only had him for two meetings, and so I do not know him. But it was so strange the way it happened because, you know, I put out the 25 chairs, and, you know, I thought that was fine, and I'd named pretty much everybody. And then I was told there was a special guest, and Gabriel said, get another chair. And we got the chair and put it by me, and then it was Metatron. And that just blew me away, because Metatron is a, he's such a powerful figure. I didn't think we'd ever have an aspect of him, ever, Um, you know. So we, we are told that Metatron, in some way, has some connection with Majestan. Now, I don't know maybe if they are co-workers or whether they're, one is uh, an aspect of the other or whether they're connected, or I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think there is a connection between the Arantia book Majestan and then the, and they say, I, I looked him up, Metatron, it says Archangel Metatron. Hercules, have you ever heard of Metatron being an archangel? That's what's in the yes, angel dictionary. He sometimes huh? referred to as he is sometimes referred to as an uh, archangel. Uh, oh, sometimes okay. he's referred to as a god, um, okay. and he's often equated with uh, Hermes in his divine uh, aspect because Hermes walked okay. among men uh, as well. Um, yes, and his honor he walked among men. Is, uh, yes. So uh, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to. Uh, um, oh, start course. finding the showdown. Our hour is up, and our other guests confirmed later in the day. Oh, so, okay. Unfortunately, we won't be able to uh, speak more today, but I do want to continue this episode. It's very interesting what you're getting into, and it deserves um, uh, to be shared, and we need to have a meeting. So I will schedule that as quickly as possible, and I'll, I'll have you check your schedules to see if the, the times I have available are good. Okay, I, I just uh, want to make one mention that uh, they, they said Metatron was Enoch of the Bible. That's what the Angel Dictionary said. Well, I've heard that. 
Yeah, so I just wondered what you thought about it. Maybe sometime you can tell us. And we started this short little segment with Uriel, so we want to get into possibly Uriel a little bit because we've had it's very a, interesting about him. The last couple of uh, meetings, because you talked about uh, Ruth Norman uh, being overshadowed uh, overshadowed by Uriel. Uh, we wanted to get back to that too. Yes, with yeah, very interesting yeah, thing another to, time. to talk about. Well, thank and you, Nick. For coming, thank you, Hercules, for producing this wonderful show. And Always thanks to all of you. You're awesome. And uh, uh, Uriel's popped up in my circle also. One of my uh, oh. Argonauts has uh, um, a group, and uh, Uriel's been popping up there as well. So I guess Uriel <laughs> is, is, is very busy. Um, before everybody goes, if you can kindly share how people can uh, get in contact with you and access your world, that would be awesome. Okay. Nick, do, would you like to go first? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, real quickly, um, I think that my email, uh, which is N-I-C-K-N-Y-N-Y, the number one, at gmail.com, that will go directly to my email. And certainly more than welcome anybody who wants to comment or, or give ideas, always welcome. Thank you. And, Nick, you have a number of shows, too. Yes, yeah, I certainly do. Uh, we've got some amazing ones coming up. We've got uh, uh, the woman who produced the documentary called Travis, which is about Travis Walton. And we're going to have Travis on the phone live at our next wow. Y meeting. And that's going to be on November 3rd. And all that is right now on our website, all the details. And that I'll give you the website, uh, which is dnny.info. That stands for Disclosure Network New York, but you just have to type in dnny.info, and all that's right there. Wow. Very excited about that. <laughs> the next you. meeting is going to be quite something. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about it. All right, and my uh, well, I, I mentioned our uh, I mentioned our YouTube channel. It's Michael and Diane Duncan. That's Diane with two N's, D-U-N-K-I-N, like Dunkin' Donuts. Michael and Diane Duncan. We have over 80 videos, and soon to be up on our YouTube channel is Dancing with the Father song. Diane sings oh. a little bit. Oh, not I really, sing. but I will. I will, Nick. And my email <laughs> is my email is Michael Duncan. That's D U N K I N. Michael Duncan one at hotmail dot com. And what about and Hercules? <laughs> uh, uh, the best way to reach me at this particular point in time, because my telephone's been filling up faster than I can empty it, uh, is on Facebook. Uh, I check Facebook uh, two or three times a day, um, and uh, so that's actually the best uh, way to reach me. And I post all the information on my uh, Facebook timeline, so links to the shows, announcement for the shows, uh, activities in the community, anything I'm doing is pretty much uh, um, shared on uh, Facebook. So thank you. Many blessings to you. Continue to do your awesome work in the world, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank right, you. God thank bless you, you guys. Both. God bless you both. God bless, bless you all. All right. And now we're going to listen to Brand Kedorian's King of Dreams, and then we'll be back with Living Theosophy.
share a little bit about our background. The Pride of Olympus is our Merkaba, our sun chariot, our celestial barge, the wheels within wheels shamanic vehicle that facilitates our journey to the astral realms of Gaia's world tree. The Pride of Olympus is our metaphorical vehicle for exploring various thematically related but seemingly different approaches concerned with explaining our human origins guiding our human development, and actualizing our maximal potential. The Pride of Olympus supports all of humanity's efforts to transcend this world and venture forth into the great beyond, be they metaphysical, mechanical, or even imaginal. 
And like all astral conveyances, the part of Olympus can and does assume many forms, including the form of this uh, podcast. Now, in terms of cosmic spirituality, which is why most of you have uh, turned into the program, um, let me explain a little bit about how that uh, ties uh, together. Um, Here we go. Okay. Now, the pride of Olympus, as we explained, is our sun chariot. It's a manifestation of the first cosmic ray and represents a divine will of the Olympian Council, which is also known as the Astroplanita and the Theon Imerai in this tree of worlds. The pride of Olympus currently serves as a shamanic vehicle for exploring the seven heavens, the vault of heaven, and the in-between realms. The Pride of Olympus also champions the cause of cosmic Olympianism and safeguards the path of mythic ascension, also known as apotheosis. These adventures are chronicled uh, on our Pride of Olympus uh, podcast, uh, on Facebook, and uh, on our uh, currently under construction website. Uh, Athena and I um, are the vehicles of expression Uh, for Hercules and Athena, who are the Lord and Lady of the Solar and Lunar Orbs. Uh, They're also the Elohim who guide all who tread the heroic path. And uh, some of our other shows are dedicated to the Olympian heroic path. Mount Olympus is the pride of Olympus's home base. It was glimpsed first in ruins, then subsequently restored in something I've been calling my primal vision. Mount Olympus is the ultimate inspiration for Elysium, an ideal place we strive to actualize here on Gaia. And that's what the Elysium Project is all about. Now, one of the um, activities that the Pride of Olympus is engaged in is called the Olympian Starseed Initiative, which is a support system for incarnate Olympians and the archetypal Olympian patterns embedded in humanity. It provides community and disseminates information to all light workers and star seeds dedicated to human potential, the ascension process, transcendence, and the great awakening on Gaia. Establishing our temenos is our current priority. The word temenos means sacred space in Greek or place set aside for a special purpose. Our Olympian outreach establishes contact and forms working relationships with organizations dedicated to the ascension process, actualizing human potential, transcendence, and again, the great awakening on Gaia. We have Olympian workshops, which disseminate celestial information, explore cosmic themes, and invite public participation. We review books on ancient astronauts, UFOs, aliens, contactees, and channel communications in our cosmic reviews in our old website and our offshoot sites, and uh, these are accessible through uh, Facebook. Uh, And through our interviews, we get to know out-of-this-world individuals who are actively engaged in fulfilling their own cosmic uh, missions and their own uh, unfolding destinies. Now we'll go to a song, and then we'll be back for more information about Pride of Olympus.
see how the land is made in silver hue. You feel so lonely. Come with me and let me show there are others just like you. Feel the powers of earth, sea and sky A dragon and fairy and shades of the night Hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone Of womb and tomb and standing stone Lady, stir your cauldron well Chant your words and sing your spell These women
conversations. Um, so last time we spoke, you're doing so many different things. It's hard to keep track of, of all the things that you're doing. <laughs> they're, they're all positive and they all help people connect with the higher aspects of themselves and be more in tune with the universe uh, around them and bring harmony. Uh, wow. <laughs> so you just cheered up my day because all I'm doing is working on things and trying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always trying to help other people. You know, there's yeah. that circle. The more you help others, the better you feel. <laughs> That's very true. And uh, um, if you can, uh, are you working on uh, any new books right now? Because I love your books. I have a bunch of them in my library here at home. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, I finished one. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it before on Familiars. Yes. So I, yeah. So we did that one, and uh, not yet because I'm a little bit hectic. But a little bit down the road, I'm going to be writing one on herbs because there's 
so many that people are not aware of, but they're not aware of how to use it more on the paranormal level, on the occult side, rather than as an example of healing. Hmm. That sounds very interesting. And, you know, the funny part is people don't think about it, but when you're using herbs as an example, they get very, very creative, for lack of a better term. And they're always trying to track down some botanica or some special store for the herbs. And a lot of times, you know, there are things we have in the kitchen. Yes. I, I actually had this one wonderful, wonderful elderly lady, very, very sweet. And, you know, one of the ingredients she was using on something was actually mint, right? And she was telling me she's trying to grow it in the yard. She spent, I don't know how many months trying to cultivate it, you know. And then I reminded her, honestly, it was in her kitchen because she used it as tea all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to grow things, it's wonderful. But people forget that we really have things accessible on a much easier level. You know, herbs are herbs. <laughs> Yes, they are. And you, you've written, I know one of my favorite books that you wrote was about mythical uh, creatures. And uh, uh, herbs may appear to be herbs here uh, to immortalize, but they're actually uh, uh, spirits that have lives of their own you know, on another realm of vibration. Some people are tuned into them. You certainly are. Well, I always find it's really funny. People don't realize it, but obviously you and I have always talked about how everything is energy. And yes. people don't realize that plants, um, animals, obviously, but plants and other situations, that they're very sentient, just in a different way than us. So mm-hmm. they sense things, they feel things, they know things. They're just not cognitive the way we are. But that doesn't mean that they don't have ability. Right. So, you know, when you really think of the plants, um, you know, there are different ways that they actually talk to each other. And it's funny because, you know, I deal with science because the cult really is the oldest science. You know, like um, mm-hmm. chemistry came out of alchemy, so we're really a science. And it's funny, now it's been tested years ago that they can actually hear very slight vibrational sounds when plants move and they're kind of talking to each other. So it's really mm-hmm. funny. That's like, you know, people that talk to plants all the time, their plants are gorgeous and gigantic and wonderful you know, and then sometimes some people are just not as connected to them. There's no good or bad. Everybody has different connections. Yes, that's very true. And uh, uh, I'm not a vegetarian, but I am attuned also to the uh, elemental uh, um, beings or the nature spirits or folklore entities, as they're sometimes uh, called. And uh, mm-hmm. um I I don't see vegetarianism as a kinder way to live because you are killing <laughs> and it might not seem intelligent to you here, but elsewhere there's a being rooted to it. And uh, uh, that being has intelligence and sentience that is beyond what most people can perceive. So people say, you know, they're, they're not uh, consuming anything that's uh, conscious and sentient, but they are. Oh, Definitely. You know, and it's funny, there was, I don't I don't know, I was talked about Findhorn, you know, yeah. and that place, right, and that place, they were talking to the nature spirits, growing plants, it was a wonderful little community, and they focused on just speaking to them and watering them and taking care of them, and they were known to have the biggest vegetables you've ever seen, and it's been documented. So it's really funny how people just don't think about it, and same thing with the elements. 
when you think of water as an example, okay, uh, sound actually resonates with the water because we can feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And in actually in ancient chambers, chambers in several places, um, they found that the effects actually affect part of the brain. It's actually been tested. So different sound vibrations affect the water flow in our bodies because most of our bodies water. So people just yeah. don't think in those terms. And in ancient times, you know, and where you were, like in Greece, you know, these things have been known for centuries, but I love when science discovers them. <laughs> me, me too. And uh, I read a bunch of information on, uh, on that recently, and it was amazing how the water crystallizes if you use uh, uh, different words. And if you say them with kindness or positivity, you have beautiful patterns. And uh, if, if, you, if you're saying something hurtful or disempowering, uh, the water crystals reflect that as well. So uh, like you say, imagine the effect it has on our bodies because we are mostly water. Oh, different. I, one of the things that I really like to teach people, if you don't mind, because you know me, I like to teach. <laughs> yeah. And this really works. If you get a piece of paper, and I usually use white paper, black ink. I use white to keep it positive because we don't hurt anybody. And I use black ink for power, you know, willpower. So if you write on a piece of paper something that you want to improve in your life, especially health-wise, and that could just be a headache. It doesn't have to be extreme. Or something that mm-hmm. you want to come into your life, like love or friendship. If you put that on a piece of paper and you attach it to a gallon of water. By the way, the size doesn't matter. It can be a cup, right? Okay. But if you attach it and you leave it connected for about 48 hours, the vibration of the water picks up that energy. So that when you drink it and say you're looking for friendship, it actually makes your energy more loving to attract loving energy, you know, because that occult law, like attracts like. So it actually changes a lot with you. People think it just changes everybody else. No, a lot of it changes you to attract the right vibration magnetically. That is a good point, and it's a very important point uh, for people who uh, are practicing uh, transformation techniques, be they magic or or something else, you know, manifestation, which is a form of magic. Um, And uh, can you explain that a little bit more? Because that's very profound, and if people realized that, they would see more things happening the way they'd like them to happen. Well, Well, I find that people don't realize when they're looking for something, it doesn't matter if it's finance, like I said, friendship, relationship, anything, they really are so focused on what they want, they really don't think about what they're putting out. I was talking to this young lady years ago, very, very nice young lady, and uh, she was talking to me about how she really wanted to attract the right gentleman to get married to. She didn't have anybody in particular. And I, she's telling me how, and, and it was funny, although I shouldn't say that, but she was saying how, she didn't want to work. She didn't want to cook. She didn't want to clean. So I said to her, what are you putting into the relationship? You know, she had no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, and then yeah. people, and then she was wondering why she's not attracting the right relationship. I said, well, if you're not putting anything in, how are you going to attract that? So a lot of times, if you have loving energy, like with you, 
you um, you are always helping people. You're trying to teach them and give advice, and you genuinely come from the heart. So you're basically going to attract positive people because that's your energy. And you would actually, and I'm sure you've noticed, you would feel very uncomfortable around people that are negative. Doesn't mean we don't talk to them and work with them or deal with them. Right. But you wouldn't feel comfortable because it's not matching your energy. So a lot of times I find if people change their outlook or if they change their vibration on some level, which is what we can do with that water like that, they will actually start attracting different situations and different people. You know, nobody thinks about changing themselves. <laughs> And, and that's easier to change than the uh, universe. <laughs> it's very true. If you, uh, I found that if you, uh, a lot of what you experience, you know, is beyond your control, uh, but how mm-hmm. you choose to react to it is largely in your control. So if you change mm-hmm. the way you interpret things and, and the way you react to uh, things, um, not everything will always be you know, peachy keen and, and bright, but most of the time it will be. And that's profound because the quality of your life immediately improves and you've just made a few minor changes inside yourself. And, you know, the funny part is that when you start changing a little bit, you feel happier. You may not know why right away, but you feel better. You feel happier. In fact, it's funny. I have a book on uh, eliminating stress, and actually uh-huh. called how to eliminate stress and anxiety through the occult, right? And you know, I put in crystals and meditation and herbs and visualization and you know incense and you name it. It's probably in my book. <laughs> right? And basically, <laughs> the reason I put so many different things is because everybody, like you said, resonates differently. So some people may feel comfortable with prayer. Some people may feel more comfortable with gemstones. And I do a lot of guided meditation, actually, in the book, because I find that if you know uh, that there's a specific purpose that you're working on, as an example, okay, uh-huh. if you have guided meditation to walk you through it, you know, you're going to attract differently vibrationally, and you're going to resonate differently, you attract differently, and you're going to de-stress. And when you de-stress, you actually attract on a higher vibrational level, not on purpose, it just is. You know, so sometimes it could be, um, as an example, I have meditations on your right way, on creating prosperity. What people don't think of as an example, I have one for creating your rhythm with hectic work because people go to work and sometimes they're so hectic and they're so overwhelmed that by the time mm-hmm. they come home and de stress, they have to go back to work. <laughs> right. You know? I, when I used to work, uh, like three jobs and and go to school and things like that. Uh, I realized that uh, uh, the weekends uh, and uh, I tried to keep my weekends free as much as I could. Uh, you didn't even really uh, de-stress when you had to go back. So it was like you feel just when you feel yourself <laughs> de-stressing uh, and more calm and more relaxed. All of a sudden you had to gear yourself up for the rat race again. And uh, uh, I always remembered how different I, I felt like on Sunday night and Monday morning. <laughs> but the people forget that we're basically spiritual beings living in a physical body. So we right. actually have to utilize both the physical and the psychic senses. It's not just one, and that way we get balanced and we get more prosperity and we get happier in our lives. And people always think of meditation 
as an example as, you know, just sitting and chanting or focusing on one thing. And there's so many different forms that they're not thinking of, like, um, you know, they have Tai Chi, which is a moving meditation, and music mm-hmm. and mandalas, and, you know, um, they have temple dancers and biofeedback. There's so much. But basically I find that when you're focused outwardly, it's limiting. So the guided meditation example will tune you into specifically what you're working on, which makes a little bit more of a difference. But the other thing is that when you're focused outwardly, as an example, on a candle flame, you're not really Mm -hmm. doing meditation. What you're doing is concentration. Because when you're physically focused outwardly, how are you going to go inward? You can't do two things at the same time. That's very true. And um, what I found and what others have found that uh, if you're doing transformation uh, type of work, whether internally or externally, um, initially Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of props, uh, you know, to help you conjure up a Mm -hmm. type of mood and uh, or frame of mind. Uh, But once you figure out how that works, uh, you don't need that anymore, you know, or you stick with the really basic stuff in the beginning that you used to learn. Um, but you could do it, you know, with your eyes closed or with your eyes open. Um, my golden fleece uh, group that I have, we've been meeting for several years mm-hmm. now, once a month. And, you know, uh, um, we used to have to go very deep into a meditative state uh, and we do guided visualizations until the point where uh, people would experience the same types of things. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. information will come out through everybody. Um, and now we don't even have to close our eyes or breathe deeply or relax uh, and tense up. Uh, you know, basically with our eyes open and seemingly in beta, uh, we can automatically, you know, get to that uh, place, you know, where uh, your your brain functions differently and you're open to all sorts of uh um, you know, insights and uh, and flashes of information. So it, it is amazing, but the but learning all that is is fun. You know, you can look at it as a yeah. story, you can look at it as an adventure, and if you choose to look at it as an adventure, it is a a fun way of growing. Oh, it really is. And the funny part about it too is that once you get into that mode and it becomes part of you, you know, it's kind of like being psychically high most of the time. <laughs> and yeah, this is the funny sure. part. I find that it it'll just you'll get flashes and in information when you need it without you focusing on it, like you said. So if I'm driving, as an example, and it feels off to go on a particular parkway, I I don't go on it because I know that it's trying to tell me something. And a lot of times later on, I find out what the problem was. It could have been a traffic jam. It doesn't necessarily mean something extreme, but it would have been an annoyance. Right. Sometimes you just get that feeling to do or not to do something, you know, or you get, well, you know, we're tuned into spirit a little bit more, so I get information that way. And sometimes, honestly, I don't know if you found this, but sometimes, honestly, it's really annoying because you're in the middle of doing something, you know, practical as an example, and now you're kind of getting psychic information, and part of you is, well, I just want to finish what I was doing first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sometimes the, the, the times of communication uh, um, are very uh, distracting or uh, not uh, convenient, but, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, it's usually worth it, the information that you got. Oh, no, it's, it's yeah, it's still very, very positive. It's just funny. 
<laughs> now, now, you and I both have a background, uh, you know, through our European uh, heritage with uh, mm-hmm. other worlds and the denizens of other worlds and, uh, um, you know, being open to the fact that we're not alone here um, in, in regard to, you know, there are intelligences beyond Austin, dolphins and chimps, you know, that there's a widespread <laughs> right. intelligence in all the kingdoms. Um, a lot of people are not raised uh, with that uh, belief or that outlook. For somebody who is having a difficult time opening up to the possibilities that metaphysics and the occult uh, um, present to them, how would you recommend they go uh, about uh, uh, developing the openness that they'll need if they're to succeed in sensing other worlds and other, and other beings? Um, I find a quick way because, you know, there are numerous methods, but on a lighter level, that's really what I should have said because, you know, we work on a much heavier level. But if somebody is starting out, what I would suggest is ask for a sign because that's something you can see visually, tangible. Right. So as an example, uh, one of my students years and years ago, because it's funny, uh, he was telling me that he really wanted to see a sign that this really works, you know, that he can do it or we can do it or other people. And he just really wanted to see a physical sign. So we decided that, he wanted to see Blackbird, and he was working in Manhattan in one of the uh, higher, you know, floors, not like at the top, but, you know, higher floor, and he kept saying, well, you know, if it really uh, is something that you can work with, that he'd like to see like a Blackbird, right? Okay. So you know how you and I are, so I sent him one, right? So now he ignored it because he's looking at it, first of all, it was unusual at that height to start with, uh-huh. but he was going, oh, well, it's one bird. It could have been a coincidence. You know, your logic kicks in, right? right. So I got a phone call from him about an hour after that started. I get a phone call from him, and he's panicking. He says, there are so many near his window. Please make them go away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying, but you asked. <laughs> if you didn't want to see, why did you ask? So he says, well, he ignored the first couple. And the more he ignored them, the more came. <laughs> yeah, the more insistent it becomes. Yeah, I get that a lot. If I if I get something through a meditation or or something, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it's sometimes difficult to tell your own psychology apart from something you know outside of your own psychology. So uh, I had gotten right. this uh, message, and I, I shelved in the circle. I'll meditate on it. Um, and so I, I didn't deal with it right away because I had a lot of things I needed to you know digest. That was just one of them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, people <laughs> who are psychic uh, started giving me the message. Uh, one's from California, one from uh, Chicago. <laughs> and then it started synchronicities. One synchronicity after another, continuously, where I was getting right. the message uh, through the synchronicity. So I said, okay, okay, it's not, it's not something inside of me. <laughs> this is definitely something uh, outside of me. But, but yeah, they will... If they don't tap you on the, the shoulder, they'll shake you <laughs> to see what they want to say. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I would say to people, pick something that you would like to see as a sign. Pick something specific. I think sometimes uh-huh. in the beginning, people make the mistake, and I'm sure you found it, where they're going to ask for a sign. Well, they right. can get 20 signs. They won't know what to connect it to because what can be a sign? So they really need to access something specific. It doesn't have to be the birds, but some 
something specific that you don't see constantly in your life. And the funny part is sometimes you'll see uh, something on the street that you ask to see. Sometimes you'll see it 20 different ways on TV. And right. eventually you'll go, oh, I'm seeing it a lot there. People just don't connect it to that. They always think it's guy has to be something gigantic and miraculous. But if you're asking to see a sign, you want to make it something that's also realistic. You don't want to see, you know, water turning to wine. <laughs> and a sign yeah. can come, like you said, and a lot of people don't, a lot of people will discount it, but synchronicity is uh, uh, the gods tapping you on the shoulder. So the answer might come uh, mm-hmm. through a song in a car that's passing by where you hear a piece of the song or in a chance oh, conversation. Exactly. With people sitting on a stoop, you know, drinking beer in Manhattan, you know, and something they say could be mm-hmm. the answer to your question. So uh, the, the the answers will come if you remain open to them. Um, or and I think answer. a lot of it too is paying attention. Yes, and you can open up a book at random. It doesn't have to be the Bible, which is what most people use. But you can open up a book at random. Right your finger somewhere on the page at random and uh, a lot of times what it says there will give you insight into the question that you uh, you asked so uh, <laughs> the information is always there if you want it and you know I find I had uh, I have some wonderful wonderful clients and I had this uh, gentleman and he was saying he was really interested in being in a relationship with the young woman that he knew and he was <laughs> a little bit hesitant so he was going back and forth. Should he move on it? Should, should he not move on it? And they were dating for a while, but he wanted to take it to the next level. you know. And he was getting very serious about her, but he wasn't that sure, and he asked for a sign. Now, he, he calls me up one day, and it was really funny. Uh, he's seeing a lot of romantic movies on TV when he's changing the channel. You know, he goes out of the room to go get a glass of water. He comes back, and there's something romantic on TV. You know, he was walking down the street, and he was telling me he saw somebody, you know, where they just got engaged because she's looking at her ring. And I'm saying, you know, that's not a sign. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you have to be hit over the head a little bit because he was seeing signs everywhere of positive relationships. Right. Yeah. So I said, well, you asked for a sign. You didn't see anybody arguing, (laughs) which, by the way, is normal. But. You know, all he was seeing were positive things. Oh, and then he said to me, he says, he's changing the channel, and there's some commercial on about buying a wedding ring. Listen, you asked. That doesn't and mean, by the way, asked. people forget. You know, it, it, it doesn't mean you have to move on it. It just means you're getting the sign, and then you decide with free will whether you're moving on it or not. But it gave you an answer. And now you mentioned you have wonderful clients, and uh, I looked at the clock. Our time is almost over already. I, the time passes very oh, quickly when we're so talking. <laughs> and I, I want you to share how can somebody um, use your services and benefit from uh, all your wisdom and your knowledge and your positivity? <laughs> well, yes, I do readings and I do teach, and okay. I do it internationally, and a lot of times. If there's a group of uh, people and they invite me, then I will come and teach or do events or speak publicly. Because I do try to work more internationally. The better, uh, the better we can help people, the better the world gets. I agree. Yeah. And and yeah. you have you have an author page on uh, Amazon because uh, again you've written a lot of books. 
<laughs> well, basically, if you just put my name into Google, I'm kind of everywhere, which is just funny. Okay. All that means is I've been doing it for a lot of years. But people can call me. My cell number is 631-559-1248. So that's like Monday to Friday Eastern Standard Time in, you know, the United States. And then if uh, they go to my website, that's just mariadeandrea.com. My, my, publisher, uh, my publisher, my web guy decided that he needs to make it easy so I can find me. <laughs> okay. I'm not a computer person. Electrical things, you know, they always blow up around me. You know. Or they can email me, and that's just mdeandrea100 at gmail.com. But I really do better with, you know, texting, cells, because I like to hear people's voices. Uh-huh. You know, the way you do. But, you know, yeah. like I said, you know, they can get in touch with me that way. I also have another site that says ministry dot Maria D'Andrea because uh, I'm interfaith ministry besides being a shaman. So you know how you and I do everything. You're just awesome. We do the same. Uh, I've done a couple of uh, marriages, and uh, somebody just uh, contacted me uh, uh, a couple of weeks about about doing another one. So I, I always enjoy celebrating people's uh, transitions, and, and again, a very positive way. Uh, the last oh, I know. It uh, makes you feel good. Uh, she was a sotrul. Right. She followed the old Norse oh. uh, gods, and uh, he was oh, a Christian. Nice. I put together a Christian. <laughs> in uh, wedding and everybody left happy so that, that was the important thing I know you've got to love it I, and I had uh, I had a couple that I married years, years ago and I still remember it because sometimes even for us some things are unusual once in a while and mm-hmm. what happened was he was studying to be a priest and then he decided that that didn't work for him that well and he switched to the religion of Wicca right Okay. now she started out Jewish and she didn't. She decided that wasn't working for her, and she converted to Wicca. So when they met, they were both in that religion. So the wedding was part Jewish, part Christian, and part pagan. <laughs> and it's all it's all spirit, and we're all energy. So right. ultimately, eventually, it's all uh, uh, the same. If it resonates with your heart and speaks to your soul, then you're on the right path. I always look at it as there's one source. I don't care how you get there, <laughs> as long as you're heading towards that path. And, and, you know, it's really funny. I always find that, especially with you, you're so positive and you genuinely, genuinely want to help people that you really resonate with everybody. You know, you really do because you make it so much easier for everybody else and you really look at how to help people. It's really funny. Sometimes when you talk to people, so they're so busy working on me, 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 me. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually they might remember somebody else in their family or somebody else. And I think sometimes what happens with you is you're so busy helping everybody else. It's like you mean to get to you, but you usually don't. It takes a while. <laughs> I, I wish need I had more people like you. And like you, thank you for your kind words, uh, by the way. Uh, and uh, I feel the same way about you. You're a very positive person. I enjoy being in your company. Uh, and you brighten my day uh, as well. And I, I'm so sorry our time is up. I, <laughs> I wish we had another hour or two. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. 
until next time, many blessings. Um, and uh, everybody, I vouch for Maria. She's awesome. She's an awesome person. Um, I've known her for a while now. We've talked many times, and I've read uh, a, a stack of her books. So she's an awesome individual mm -hmm. and well worth uh, knowing. Uh, thank you, Maria. Gee, thank you so much. I really appreciate oh. it. You're I'll talk fun. to you soon. My pleasure. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thanks to all who joined us from home. Uh, until next time, this is Hercules and Maria wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Who am I? Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world. One filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.